I want to uh, all of our kids up to third grade to look at me. I've been instructed that due to Bible school tonight, you're going to remain with us today. I want all of our kids up to third grade to stand. If you're younger than third grade, stand up. Or if you're in third, well, if you just completed third grade, right? School's out. Now, I'm not seeing any kids stand up. I want some kids to stand up. Oh, Dave, really? Okay, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Do we not have great kids in this church? Amen. And I want all of our kids up to fifth grade to take a note that Brother Greg will have on shorts tonight. So don't flip out if I don't have a suit on. And I'm going to have my shorts on. And me and Missionary Marty are going to be upstairs telling these kids uh, what missionaries do and what Southern Baptist missionaries do on your behalf, uh, taking the gospel to the world. Amen? So we are delighted. At the end of this message, uh, volunteers for Vacation Bible School, get ready to come forward, okay? because we're going to have a special time of prayer. Doesn't this stage look great? Uh, I want to thank the, the, the leadership team for VBS, Keisha and Jordan and Renee for doing a great job. And most of the handmade props that you see have been painted by Wendy Mann. And she has done a great job. And I'm t do they not look realistic? I mean... I mean, that, that, looks, that is good. That's, that's good. So there's going to be a lot of chaos here this week, and it's, it's going to be wonderful chaos. Amen? Because what if, what if some boy or girl gives their life to Christ this week? It's all been worth it. It's all been worth it. So I want you to pray for everybody, and uh, we can't control weather but we can control the message we're going to teach, and that's the Word of God. I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and then I want you to do something a little different uh, th that normally uh, I don't do, but I want you to move also to the book of Philippians where I read earlier, and I want you to put your ribbon or your finger in Philippians chapter 1. So we're going to start in 2 Kings, and then we're going to move pretty quickly to Philippians chapter 1. And I want to preach this morning on the message, on the theme, about not missing the point. It's easy to miss the point. As a preacher sometimes, it can be easy to miss the point as a worship leader or someone singing special music. It can be easy to miss the point as a volunteer or a staff member. And we can miss the whole point of Vacation Bible School. And this morning, as we look at the Word of God, I want to introduce you to somebody who missed the point. And his name was Gehazi. Now, Gehazi was a servant of Elisha. I want you to look at verse 20, if you will. The Bible tells us he was a servant of this man of God, Elisha. Now, let's get back 
leading up to this point. Naaman the leper has been cleansed. He has been healed of leprosy. How many times did he dip in the Jordan? Anybody remember? Seven. This past week, our chief of police, Matt, was in the dunking booth at the elementary school. And he sent me a note like he was bragging. And he said, hey, I went down six times. You know what I responded? Naaman went seven. Naaman went seven. Well, if you recall, Naaman was so blessed and so thankful that he wanted to pay Elisha for leading him to healing. And if you recall, Elisha says, no, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Verse 20. We're introduced to Gehazi, the messenger of Elisha. And the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman this Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. Do you remember that uh, in rejecting payment, he was rejecting great wealth? And this servant says, While not receiving from his hands what he brought, but as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, it, Is it all well? Is all well? And he said, All is well, my master. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim, Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now you may say, Greg, that sounds insignificant. No, that was great wealth in itself, but the problem here is his master didn't say it. Gehazi was missing the point. Let's keep going. Bible says, verse 24, when he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand, what? Those gifts that he had gone out to get, and stored them away in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. And now he went in and stood before his master, Elisha, who said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Let me remind you this morning that when you tell one lie, it's easier to tell another. And I want to remind everyone in this place today that you can have a short memory when you tell the truth. You don't have to figure what you're going to say. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, boy, if I tell the truth, I get in trouble. Folks, my experience with telling the truth is when you tell the truth, even if you're in trouble, God can help you go forward. The Bible says to him that doesn't walk in his integrity, he's always looking behind his shoulder. Wonder who's going to get him. Wonder who's going to tap on it. Wonder who's going to say something. He says, where did you go, Gehazi? And verse 25, he says, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? I have a feeling at that point, Gehazi's thinking, uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is a reminder for us this morning right here that God sees everything. He sees everything. Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back the chariot to meet you? Verse 26. 
Is it time to receive money, to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, listen, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous, as white as snow. Folks, I'm reminded from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 20 through 27, God does not play games. He doesn't play games with sin. And Gehazi missed the point. And it's my experience, if we're not careful as a church, we can miss the point of vacation Bible school. Now let's be reminded, last year we didn't get to have it. Let's be reminded that because of everything that happened, we didn't get to have it. As a matter of fact, our vacation Bible school curriculum this year is 2020 curriculum because we had it all ordered last year. But I do know one thing, it's going to be a life-changing week for, for a bunch of folks. And I believe it also starts with me as your pastor and those that will be serving. You'll say, Brother Greg, I'm not working in vacation Bible school. Oh, yes, you are. You're going to be prayer warriors this week. Amen. You're going to pray that God is lifted up and that we'll have a good attitude, we'll have a good heart, we'll serve the Lord Jesus by serving these kids, and regardless of what happens, it's going to be a great week for the glory of God. Now, concrete and cranes, that's the theme of how to build on a good foundation, the love of God. And when you think of concrete being used, and when you think of of metal being used those things are used to erect the building when I've told you more than once when this building was built it, it started in the fall and we had an awful winter for 70 some days they didn't get to do anything on this building I remember getting disgusted and disappointed and thinking my goodness and and we would call VanCon and they would say Greg we're at the mercy of the weather but what I did notice as soon as the weather broke things began to move quicker than I anticipated because the foundation was already in place. Do you all realize that the day that the floor that you're sitting on, the worship center floor, concrete that's underneath this carpet, the day this was poured, oh, it was a big day. It was a wonderful day. Do you all realize that after they got this complete job done and level and smoothed out, that a dog ran across this floor? Oh, yeah, it did. It's the only time in my life I've wanted to shoot a dog. And I came back, and, and, but the cement people knew exactly what had to be done to work it out and get it fixed. And I called my dad like crying the blues. I said, Dad, there's a dog that walked across our worship center's concrete. And he said, oh, I bet there's a dog walking around Camden with hot feet. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Folks, listen. We have to be very careful that we don't miss the point when it comes to the things of God. Otherwise, we're going to be disappointed. Yesterday afternoon, maybe some of you, like me, watched the Memorial Golf Tournament from Dublin, Ohio, Jack Nicklaus's course. A man in that tournament name was, is John Rahm. John Rahm was on fire. He was building a lead that like matched uh, major tournament, PGA tournaments, going into the final round, shot, stroke lead. He was just on fire. When he walked off of the 18th hole, two men approached him. The camera was on him. 
and it looked like they were telling him something very important, and all of a sudden, John Rahm went from this uh, great round, looking forward to today to win this tournament, to dropping to his, his hands to his knees, and you hear him say, not again. And Renee and I were watching, and I said, something bad has happened. Something bad has happened. So CBS is staying there glued to it, trying to get the information, what's happened. Uh, we're thinking the worst. And they, they said, we're, we're reporting, we have an update now that John Rahm has tested positive for COVID-19 and has to withdraw from this tournament. Man, I thought about disappointment. But then reality hit me, Mark. As we watched that, I was praying they weren't telling him that one of his family members were killed in an accident. Folks, I'm telling you, listen, if we, if, if we are not careful, sometimes we can assume things we don't know. Sometimes we can just think that showing up uh, is all God wants of us as we worship him this morning and we'll miss the whole point. And today, when I think of Gehazi, he was right there. He experienced all that stuff with his master. He knew the power of God. He saw the power of God. He saw what God did in Naaman's life. And instead of celebrating what God did in Naaman's life, he wanted the spoils that his, his master Elisha would not receive. And he had to be reminded of the important things. I want you to flip over, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. And this is a familiar passage because it's what we call a prison epistle. It's a letter from Paul as he is imprisoned. And I love the fact that prison did not take the joy out of Paul's life. I love the fact that it didn't take the hope that he had in Christ. Beginning with verse 1. The Bible says Paul and Timothy, bondservants of who? Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And here it is again, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we think of the love of God, when we think of making sure that we don't miss the point, when we think of this kickoff tonight for Vacation Bible School, it's important that we're laser-focused. And when you think of the Apostle Paul, he reminds us that as Jesus completes his work, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He says it's important that we build on a good foundation, and that foundation is on the love of Jesus. That's the first thing I want you to write down, a foundation of love. Now, when you look at Philippians chapter 1, I want to take you on a little journey. First of all, when you look at verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A little later in chapter 1, verses 12 down, 
Paul says that God has put me in prison uh, for the advancement of the gospel. He's actually using the circumstances that I'm in. Here's what I love about Paul from prison. He's not mad at his circumstances. He's not mad at his circumstances. You know, it's easy. Uh, there are some things you cannot coach. For instance, if you're a basketball coach, you cannot coach, you cannot coach somebody into being taller. Amen? Now, you may not believe this, but when I was a young athlete, I was very thin to the point where I tried to gain weight any way possible. My dad would fix me a milkshake every night and put an egg in it, drink it, and think that I was going to wake up bigger and heavier the next day. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. You cannot coach somebody's, sometimes just the, the, the genetics they have, the genes they have, it's just going to naturally happen. And to tell you the truth, you can't make a kid have heart that plays for you. It's got to come from inside. It's got to come from inside. Now, uh, th this past week, uh, Duke's longtime coach, Coach K, has announced he's going to retire. Now he has all this wise things to say about how the NCAA should function. Uh, I, I got news for you. He had good players and he had bad players. And sometimes those that he recruited that he thought would do the job, he just couldn't coach them in to being the kind of player he wanted them to be. Listen to me. Circumstances. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, well, Brother Greg, you don't understand. God's just dealt me a bad deck of cards. Folks, I want to tell you that God can use your life even in the mixed-up shuffle of your life. Circumstances don't have to define who you are. Paul was not mad as he wrote from prison. But there's something else you see here. Verses 4 and 5, he said, Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He doesn't forget those who he served with. And there is just something about being in the trenches, serving shoulder to shoulder for the kingdom of God. And I believe Bible school is one of those times where you just hunker down, love kids, love Jesus, and get through a night. Oh, I'm not looking forward to Friday night right now because I'm, I'm, I'm praying about getting through tonight. Anybody say amen? Lord, just give it. And there is something about serving. That's why there's such a, a fraternity of men and women, I, I know that's probably not good, who've served in the military. Because in your own way, you know what it's like. And you were in the trenches together. See, he was grateful for past memories. Now, I, I look at the Dillmans sitting here, and I'm sure they've got plenty of memories from being here growing up. He also does something else. Look at verse 7. Just as it's right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Verse 7 tells us that he's in chains because he was defending the gospel. Now, you say, Brother Greg, would you go to jail as our pastor if they told you you could not preach the gospel 
well, I'm a preacher of the gospel and the pastor of this church. We'll preach the word of God. Folks, I want to tell you, we're living in a land and we're living in a day. Don't take it for granted. Not every church is preaching the gospel. And sometimes we bow to the pressure of culture. Sometimes we bow to the pressure of our people. I thank God I've been able to pastor a church where you want to hear the word of God. But I'm telling you, we're living in a day like never before. And I wonder if we will be found faithful as Paul was defending the gospel. Verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Uh, may your love grow, Paul says. Even from prison, he says, may your love grow. Look at verse 10. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Excellent. We do a lot of good things in this church. But sometimes we do the good things and we let the best things go. May the best things be those excellent things of glorifying God with all that we're about and, and getting every time we have a platform, every time we have an ear to hear, that we would share the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. But it has to be built on a good foundation. I want to give you this morning the pillars of these foundations that we're going to teach these kids this week. This is what they're going to learn. First of all, Jesus models it for us. And he models it for us, asking us first of all, teaching us first of all, instructing us to build on the foundation of love. On love. Unconditional love of Christ. Let me give you an illustration. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sees Matthew, a tax collector, sitting in his office, and Jesus says, follow me. Well, you know the story of, of Matthew you recognize that tax collectors were not revered men in their community, that there were issues because they were overtaxing people. The Bible says he arose and followed Jesus, and verse 10 of Matthew 9 says, as they sat at the table in his house. Could you imagine if the Lord Jesus sat at your kitchen table with you physically? I want to remind you this morning that he's there every meal you eat. I want to remind you he's there every show you watch. I want to remind you he's there in every conversation you have. Matthew's life was changed. He was now uh, with Jesus. And the Bible says as they get to the house, Jesus sat at the table in the house. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And thank the Lord for this group. The Pharisees had an issue with it. They said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the Bible says, Jesus hears it. Be reminded, Gehazi begins to lie. Elisha says, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. Jesus hears everything. And he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The foundation that we're going to build on this week is the foundation of love. Unconditional love. 
And I believe, uh, as I shared with our First Connection class this morning, for me, it, sometimes I can get judgmental. Meaning, if you don't do it like us, something's wrong. So we use statements like this, right? Uh, but Brother Greg, we're going to love the sinner and hate the sin. That's true. But I, I, I'm, I want to get to the point where I hate my sin worse than I do yours. Because then it might let me love you better and more unconditionally. The foundation of love. You know what every kid deserves tonight, this week? Good smile. Amen? Hey, if their hands are dirty, help them wash them. Something gets spilled, go get a towel. Are you with me? Because I'm telling you this week, God is setting us up to remind us of his love and his grace. Build on the foundation of love. Now, we can talk about it, right? Come to our church. We love, 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 love you. But the truth is, we say that sometimes if you're just like us and do things just like we like you to do them. Love. Anybody met any guests today at church already? Don't be calling me this week and say, who was that? You make a beeline and you introduce yourself. You give somebody a good welcome. The foundation of love, number two. We're going to build on the foundation of forgiveness. Anybody glad for forgiveness? That's the redemption of God. Now, Paul was a good example of that, the writer of Philippians. His life was radically changed on the road to Damascus. He couldn't get over the fact that Jesus could redeem his life. He even says that I'm the chief of all sinners. But he recognizes that God chose him to take the gospel of forgiveness and the gospel of redemption to a Gentile world many had never heard of Jesus. Even in Acts chapter 26, when he faces King Agrippa, all he can come up with is how Jesus radically saved his soul. And Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to, be, to believe. Redemption and forgiveness. That's what we have to understand. As a Christian, you don't have the market on God's forgiveness. As a Christian, I don't have the market on redemption. What I do is I have a testimony of how God did it in me, and if he can do it in me, he surely can do it in you. I praise the Lord for that, but it doesn't stop there because on night three, we're going to look at the foundation of worth, of worth, of value. Being confident of this very thing, the Bible says, he who begun a good work in you that tells me this morning brothers and sisters that Jesus who saved me is the one who keeps me saved that tells me tonight that the one who keeps me to save or who keeps me saved this morning will take me to heaven when I die one day because he will complete the work that he began I love the fact that when you get saved Jesus doesn't just leave you out there I asked the First Connection class this morning, what benefit do you get out of worshiping together with other people? 
oh, you should have heard the answers. And you know what I've found to be true? That I'm not the only one in the, in the worship service that's battling a certain thing. There's always somebody else going through the same thing. And there's always usually somebody that's going through it worse than I am. Oh, when we sing our songs together, doesn't that bless your heart? Those songs about foundation, on Christ the solid rock I stand. You know, I always have to make sure that my microphone is off there because I don't want to sing to America and the world through the World Wide Web. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? That'd be awful. But I get to sing with you, do I not? And we get to lift up our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? Because he valued my sin-sick soul enough to die on Calvary for me? You're wor- maybe you're battling this morning of, of self-worth. Maybe, maybe your self-esteem has is, is taken a hit. And you're, and you're kind of in despair a little bit this morning. Here's some good news. Jesus died on the cross for you and me. He loved you that much. And he went all the way. And the Bible says he'll go all the way. He'll take you to heaven one day when you die because he will finish the work he started when you gave your life to Christ. Now here's the problem. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. I'm telling you, God brought you to church this morning to settle it. And in just a couple minutes, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Number four, another foundation we're going to build on this week is the foundation of promise. You know what the promise is? Hey, lean in here. Turn your hearing aids up. Get ready. Jesus is alive. That's the promise, that he's alive. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28... Uh, as the women came to the, uh, the tomb, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door. Listen, the stone wasn't rolled away uh, to, listen, the stone wasn't put there to keep people out. The stone was rolled away to show people he's alive. In essence, you can come to him by faith. Come on. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. Who? The angel of the Lord. The guards shook for the fear of him and became like dead men. Who? The guards. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Hey, we're going to build on the foundation of promise this week. Jesus is not in a tomb in Jerusalem, and you can go there and see it and view the body. You can go view an open place where they believe Jesus lay. He's alive. He's alive. You see, the promise is that Jesus will always be with you. In the Great Commission, missionary Livingstone, they ask him a question, how in the world did you survive the environment All of those days and and years, how did you survive? And here's what he said. I go back to the Great Commission and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the promise that Jesus will always be with you. You Say, Brother Greg, I'm a Christian, but there have been times in my life when I feel like maybe God's not with me. 
I want to assure you this morning that God has not moved. You know, when Renee and I dated, thank the Lord for bench seats. Anybody old will get that, okay? She would slide over to me in that 1965 Falcon. I'd put one hand hand on the wheel, one arm around her. I'm telling you, life was good. Life was good. I've noticed a few things over the years, these past 37 years. She doesn't sit as close to me as she used to. She doesn't sit. And she'll look at me and say, Honey, why aren't you as romantic as you used to be? And I'll say, Sweetheart, if you recall, I'm still sitting exactly where I was 37 years ago. <laughs> hey, folks, God has not moved. God has not moved. You might be here today and say, I've let him down so bad, preacher. Hey, we all have. Don't you let the guilt of a bad decision keep you from trusting God. You say, Brother Greg, if you only knew my life. Hey, folks, if you only knew mine, except by the grace of God are we here today. And the good news is, he's never seen a mess he couldn't fix. He's never seen a, a, a family, a man, a woman, boy, or girl, that has not been willing to help if we just lay it all on the line. That's the good news. And then lastly, it's really about a foundation for life. You know, the Bible talks about two builders. I'm not much of a builder, but I do know this. My understanding is if I were to try to buy a piece of plywood right now, I would be shocked. Is that right, Ken? Shocked. Well, there are two types of builders, those who do it right and those who do it poorly. Let me tell you something. You take the most, the cheapest route. Let's see, Ryan, you have some carpentry uh, aspirations, right? If you take the cheapest route, you're going to pay for it in the long run. Build that house on the sand. Boy, that foundation is not going to cost us much. We're going to be able to build this house and go, go, go. I watched one of those home improvement shows yesterday, and the builder said, we don't even know how much to charge for a house right now. We don't know the cost. But if you build your house on the rock, that's the foundation we're talking about this week, Jesus Christ. And when the storms of life come, that house is going to stand. Oh, it's going to cost you something. What, it's going to, what is it going to cost you? So it's going to cost you humility, lay down your pride, and bow at the cross of Jesus Christ and surrender your heart to him. And you can be forever saved. I am so glad that as a little boy, I sat in a church where preachers preached that message. I'm so glad that I had a youth leader, Keisha, named Robert Turner. I very seldom went to any events that youth had. But he was faithful and loving me. And every time he could, he would pour into us in Sunday school the love of Jesus Christ. A bunch of you in this building today could raise your hand and say, I had that kind of person in my life. Boy, they were good to me and helped me. And I'm glad that they helped me build on the foundation of Christ for life. So folks, listen. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And let's don't miss this week. You say, Brother Greg, I don't like the fact that we're having Bible school so close to school being out. I'm loving the fact that we're having Bible school so close to school being out. We're going to get these kids. We put an invite in every hand 
23 rooms of 25 kids that are, uh, that are possibilities to come to Vacation Bible School. And my prayer was this morning that they'll see that green flyer on the kitchen table and mom and dad will look at it and say, hey, why not? Let's let them go to this Bible school. And it might just be that boy or girl that God saves and one day has him in, I don't has him in this pulpit. Has him telling somebody about Jesus. All because something was built on the right foundation. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're a servant, a worker, that you're serving in vacation Bible school, I want you to come and stand here at the front. Just go ahead and move now.